Hey, Mike, where'd you get these endless summer movie tickets from? Whoa, I love those. That's from my endless summer box set. Ooh, where'd you get that from? The link is in the show notes, baby. Hey, this is Mike with the Quivercast. Brought to you by Quiverbuilder.com, where you buy, sell, surf. Good morning, everybody. This is Mike here at Quivercast, doing a live broadcast on location at the cliffs overlooking beautiful Carlsbad, California. And today I have a surf detective. Surf detective here. And we're going to interview him about surfing, of course. All right. So you already told us who you are. You're Mr. Surf Detective. Well, not Mr., just Surf Detective. Just Surf Detective. So when did you start surfing? Uh, 65. In 1965. And where was that at? What area? Redondo Beach. Redondo Beach. Born and raised in Redondo Beach. For how many years did you surf Redondo Beach? Mm, 65 to 71. And have you consistently surfed since 65? Yeah, except for accidents and playing army for six months. Oh, all right. And tell us about the waves growing up. How, how were the waves in Redondo Beach? Uh, trashy, like like we had today. <laughs> Nasty little waves. If we got any kind of wave at all, we were just like so happy. But it was just closed out waves, you know, stuff you practice kickouts on and stuff. What kind of board were you riding at the time? Uh, first one was probably about a 30-pound bing. It's called a catam- catam- catamaran- catamacave. Catamacave. It was like a like the first thing with uh, channels in it. But instead of channels, it had like the big sides right at the rail. So kind of formed like a channel. But Really? Yeah, it was a trippy board. It was really cool. I think it was a three stringers, one in the center, then like a two offset to the right of it. To the right of it? Yeah, it was really weird. Yeah. And how big was that board? Ten foot. Everything then Ooh. was kind of ten foot. Single fin? How was the fin on that thing? Uh, God, I don't remember what kind of fin. They were all glassed in. We didn't have any boxes then. Were like those huge, I don't know what you call them, the big <clears throat> wide, like the traditional no, Um, Let me think. No, this one was, I think, I think maybe like they first started going to like a little bit narrower fin. Not a, not a like a speed fin, but something kind of in between. But it wasn't like that half moon one. And was this a used board or a new board? How'd you no, it was board? a used, used board. Where'd you buy it at? Uh, Bing Surfboards. No. Oh, you went to Bing? Yeah, my dad bought it for me. Oh, really? Because I was only like, what, sixth grade, something like that. Okay. And yeah, sixth grade. In the crew of you guys surfing, were you out there, did you make friends surfing or did you, all your friends get boards at the same time? No. What happened is my dad actually paid our neighbor. He surfed for Rick Surfboards. He paid him to give me surf lessons. Really? Yeah. It was okay. great because, you know, he was, like, well-respected down there at Knob Hill, it was called. And so... Uh, and what was his name? Do you remember? I can't remember. Yeah, that was so long ago. Yeah. Oh, okay. But that was cool. Good guy. And you, and are you stoked you grew up in Redondo, and have you been back recently at all? Redondo was great as a kid, and then it got destroyed. But when I was young, it was like... Um, just us surfers and then a bunch of old people and then they knocked down all the houses along the the esplanade there and put up all condominiums and then it got destroyed that's why i wanted to leave and was everyone riding the bing or what were the other boards people no the probably the main was was bing and jacobs was huge jake probably yeah jacobs and bing were like the two it was uh you want one no i'm good um 
let's see. I mean, Dewey Weber was up there, Rick Surfboards. I ended up, um, I think, surfing a lot of Rick Surfboards towards the end before I left. Okay. Those were like the big three. Dewey Weber was kind of a little bit further up. He was more towards uh, like Santa Monica area. Okay. All right. So uh, tell us a good surf story. Mm. You don't have to be a real long one, just a nice... Yeah. Do you have any? Yeah, good. This is a good one. This is like, I've only, I've only almost drowned two times. All right, this was at the, this is pre-leash days, and this was at the Cove. And, uh, Up in, like, above Apollos Hagerty's? Bird. Yeah, Apollos, yeah, around from um, Hagerty's, right there in Palos Verdes. And we went out, like, maybe about two hours before it got dark, and right as it was getting dark, it just kept building and building and building. Finally got like double overhead and one big set closed out the entire cove from uh, indicator all the way to the other side <sighs> and wiped about 10 of us out. So nobody had their boards and we were all just we were like, okay, stay together. It's getting dark. <laughs> and they're just on the inside set all 10 of our boards just hanging out there. But uh, we just kept taking one on one after another on the head. And that was like, we're all like thinking we're going to die. But it was actually really fun. Once we got in, we're all like, oh, your board's over here. Your board's over there. <laughs> it was pretty funny. And what kind of like time of the year was that? Right around now, probably almost December. Okay. Freezing cold. Freezing. No wetsuit or wetsuit? Mm. Then I think we had like uh, Dive and Surf had just come out with that, uh, or Body Glove. Well, it was called Dive and Surf. It wasn't called Body Glove then because all they made was uh, diving wetsuits, but they made those beaver tails. So I think we all had beaver tail and trunks on then. <laughs> Yeah, so you're late. you're just numb, freezing. especially in the water. Freezing, you're probably still freezing. sixty degrees or less. But before that, I mean, for the wetsuits, we would just like wear windbreakers. Woo! <laughs> so, what year do you think the 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 dive and surf came into business when you guys started getting wetsuits? And mm, well, I mean, they were in business for a long time. I think they probably started in the real early '60s or late '50s. You know, making diving suits. Okay. So I want to think that it was around 60 probably right when I started 65 then maybe 66 or something 67 is when they started uh, well they still weren't surf suits they were still just wetsuits with a beaver tail awesome so everybody that was a long story short with Mr. Surf Detective I'm sorry Surf Detective yeah just All Surf right. Detective we're going to move on to the next segment which is what's currently under your feet Mr. Detective everything detective. everything it's like I think the shortest board is 6'4 right now and I actually had an 11-foot uh, Mickey Munoz just to deal with the COVID crowds, but I sold that. So everything in between. Today I rode an 8.8, 8, real 17-inch uh, nose, 17-inch tail, 21 and a half inches wide. Kind of a Phil Edwards nose, but with a really wide tail. Is today what you're... What would you ride all summer? It's been pretty small uh, this summer. Probably Is that something... the board? No, something different every day. Really? It's like, yeah. So you just check the surf and then... Uh, pick your board or do you just grab a board and then it is what it is no i i try to think about what it was you know what it's going to be like and stuff i mean i've been riding this ridiculous foam board just kind of in fact i'm going to spray kook on the bottom of that big white thing <laughs> because it's actually uh it's made by uh uh what's it called the ones from costco wave uh, storm storms yeah it's made by Wavestorm, but it's a uh a kid's stand-up paddle board it's 25 inches wide and it's uh, eight foot. It's going to be my anti, anti-COVID board. Anti-COVID. With that being just a little side note, I would like your opinion on wave storms and have they ruined surfing? Um, what ruined surfing was COVID. Because those those so guys crowded? would those guys would have got friggin' pieces of plywood to come out and go surfing. Yeah, they didn't care. So just anybody that was the cheapest. And that's because 
maybe there was nothing else to do in California. Yeah, yeah, all the little jocks and shit all of a sudden wanted to become surfers because they, you know, you couldn't do any team sports. So everybody in the world was out. So here. they had to get some exercise and they decided to hit the ocean. Yeah. Even though they played football and never surfed a day in their yeah, life. Yeah, it's the most frustrating time of my whole life surfing was this year. So 65 to 2020, how many years of surfing is that? Uh, Let's do the math. 35, 55. 55 years of surfing. And this last six months has been the worst you've ever seen. The worst. I'm, I'm like such a mellow surfer. And this last time that I went out on that anti-kook board, I ran into, on purpose, six people just... Just because I was so mad, I go, okay, I can't take it anymore. I didn't run into like them. I would like nick their board because everyone would just keep taking off. You know, they think it's like a, no like, looking behind, no etiquette. No, you just take off because you see somebody else taking off. So after you kind of clear away, then you can finally start surfing for a while. Yep, I, I it is packed. So, what was your in the fifty-five years of surfing? What was your favorite all-time board, or do you have one or two? That you would do, like, you know, that was it. Um, back then, I think because nose writing was a big deal. back then. It could be yesterday. Yeah, but it was like, because it was nose writing time, it was my Dewey Weber performer. It was the, called the Super Scoop Performer, which I actually have one now in my garage. It's, it was 1967. That was like my one, two, third long, third longboard. Third one you ever had? Yeah, third new longboard, I should say. Okay. And you just, what was so special about that board? And what were the dimensions? Um, 10 foot. And I think they were, uh, it was like, uh, they didn't, the blanks then, although they used Walker foam, uh, the blanks, I think, were as wide as you could get were 21, but they put this big foam strip in the middle of it. It was a T-band. So it had two redwoods on the outside. Anyways, it ended up making the blank almost 23 inches wide. And it, you couldn't, you couldn't pearl the board. I mean, you could just jump up and down on the nose. So it was like an incredible nose rider. But as soon as I got that board, started getting shorter. So how was the shortboard revolution? Revolution. <laughs> Were you involved in that? It was crazy. My first shortboard was a nine-one Corky Carroll mini model. Came all the way down to get it from Hobie. And at 9-1, everybody's going, that's way too short. And then the next one was called the Super Mini, and it was 8-11. Everybody thought I was nuts for getting that small of a board. So we just went down gradually. So who do you think started that? Mm. In your area, who was, the, who was the guy that was ripping out there and, and riding a shorter board than everyone else that you guys said I have to get probably. Probably the uh, the one that went the shortest and ripped the hardest was Mike Purpose, and he came back from Australia with one of those huge V bottoms. Like maybe the tail was 15 inches wide, and the actual V was probably six inches deep. I mean, it was just wow. a full V. Uh, and I remember he came to our surf spot one time. And we're like, "What the hell is he riding?" And uh, so that's I think that's made the big jump from the eight foot down to the seven foot range, which is a lot. A lot. I mean, nobody was riding seven foot, so. It, it might not have been, no, it was probably seven foot. Yeah, it was probably, it was probably seven foot, seven two. And that was uh, in Redondo area? Yeah, yeah, that was my purpose. That was when things really started dropping. And then from there, you just took off? Because when I met yeah. you years ago, probably, I don't know how long, 15 years or 20 years ago, mm -hmm. I, I saw you out here on a, on a shortboard, and you were ripping. So you kind of always went more shortboard and longboard more for fun? Um, yeah, I wasn't even going to go to longboard. Uh, 
I like I I would never go to six foot. Every, every one of my boards was five eleven and three quarters. I went when I you know was fully into the shortboard. And one time Donald Takayama says, "Oh man, you got to try a longboard." And I'm like, "Go no way, man. That's ruining surfing. You got all these guys coming back out here that shouldn't even be surfing anymore, and they're riding longboards." He goes, "But you got to try one." And so I, I, he made me this, uh, I think it was 9.6, and it was really fun. I mean, I'm like going, okay, this is really fun. Do but you that, have that board today? No, uh-uh. That was kind of like the second destruction of uh, surfing was when the longboards got popular again. And uh, yeah, because I remember in the 80s, no one went a longboard. Oh, yeah. When I was starting to surf, there yeah. was just shortboards. And then it's like I blinked my eyes. And had all these old men on longboards that oh, used yeah. to serve in the 60s that didn't surf for 20 years. <laughs> and they're still, some of them are still alive and they're still trying to surf. It's like, you never got it back. Yeah, if we, if that didn't, if the if the longboards didn't come back in, it would be a way better environment. Yeah, for surfing, for shortboarders. I mean, now half the time you can't even, you might as well not even take your shortboard out. You're getting these weird shortboards to make up for the, trying to paddle against the longboards. So. That's very true. And so the final question here on QuiverCast with Mr. I'm sorry, no, surf not detective. Mr., yeah. just Surf Detective, is if you could get anything in the future, any board, you could, you know, magic board, what board would you pick? Mm. Not Maybe not a board you've ever ridden before. Like, is there something that, like, I got to have this board? Uh, or maybe no. a shaper that's passed away. Or... No, I don't. No, I don't feel that. Not, not really. Not at all. I would. I would like to be able to get back into riding a twin fin because I think that was like one of the most. Other than the thruster, I think twin fin was like the most fun time in shortboards. But you got to ride them so short. I mean, my twin fins were all five eleven, five eleven, and up to five eleven and three quarters. It's like if you get them too long, they just don't do the same thing. So is oh, there magic a magic twin fin? No, I don't really have a certain shaper that I like more than anybody else. There's more nothing. like a fish twin fin or more like a... No, a traditional. Kind of like a Mark Richards style, but maybe, you know, like a double double uh, bump swallowtail type thing. Yeah, in fact, in fact, one of the most fun boards I had was uh, a McCoy, and it was a... Really? Yeah, it was a fish. It was like... I they had like... They were super like pointy on the nose, but like wide on the tail, right? Yeah, they were... The wide point was behind center. Yeah. Yeah, which wasn't like the traditional fish. Traditional fish, you know, it was like yeah, it was wide 12 up inches up. Yeah, 6 yeah. inches up. This was actually right underneath your feet. So you would like something similar to that? Yeah, yeah, I don't even know if I could surf something like that, at least especially with all the long borders out here. I would like to have something like that on good ways, good warm water where you're flexible. Yep. Okay, well, so that's the end of the, of the podcast this evening, or this afternoon, I should say. And uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us here at Quivercast, and that was what's currently under your feet. Until next time, don't forget to stop by quiverbuilder.com and check out all the boards that uh, people are posting. You might find your magic board there. Thank you. Thanks again for listening. If you like this episode, give it a thumbs up and hit subscribe. And don't forget to visit quiverbuilder.com where you'll find your next magic board. I'll see you in the lineup. Hey, guys. Endless Summer Box Set. This thing is legit. It's authentic. Numbered certificate in it. It has a five-frame film strip from the original print.
you will literally own a piece of history. It has a specially minted bronze medallion. Dude, that thing's sick. Okay, there's so much more here. Go to the show notes. There's a link on there. Go check this piece of history out. This thing's rad. Seriously. Smithsonian American History Museum has it. It took four years of research with 3.5 in production. All hand assembled. This thing's rad. So much to this awesome box set. Remastered DVD. Sharper images than the original film. But dude, this thing's so sick. Link in the show notes.